welcome back to Grit Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by one member of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters, and we're here for another special episode. Last week, we interviewed the winner of the 2016 Super Contest, Damon Graham, barista turned near millionaire, walked away with 906K, I believe. As Pops 2008. And today, DP, we're talking to the maestro, uh, the man who makes it all possible, Jay Cornegy, uh, VP of book, uh, race book and sports betting for the Westgate. Uh, DP, I'm excited for this one. I'm pumped, man. Jay's like a, I mean, he's, he's the guy who makes it all happen over there. He makes his contest go. He's a great follow on Twitter, too, at Jay Cornegy. Uh, he's, a diehard Broncos fan. He wears his heart on his sleeve, which as a diehard Jets fan, and you, you, you tend to hide your feelings a little bit, but you're a diehard as well. We can, we can appreciate a fan like that. I can only imagine how, what it's like for him, like, you know, running a sports book. And sometimes he might be knowing that, okay, the Broncos might have to lose and lose by X amount of points or, you know, that, or the other team has to cover and just know if judging or sorry, balancing that professional and personal life all in the same setting must certainly, you know, pull with his emotions, especially on a Sunday or a Monday night. Yeah. When the Broncos are the public side, that's got to, uh, that's gotta be something. Uh, and those years with Peyton, must have must have done a number on him. Before we get to Jay, though, uh, I want to remind you guys to subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, whether you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, however you consume this, please, uh, all of your love helps power this machine. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at GridIronGamble. And I just want to real quick, DP, Hard Knocks recap. We talked about it briefly last week. What did you think about this most recent episode with our boy Antonio Callaway trying to <laughs> well, he's an idiot. I thought there was too much football, though, in this one. Too much football, uh, eh? I, I mean, it was mostly about that game, the first preseason game, which I get, but I felt like... <laughs> I don't know if they maybe did that on purpose, like trying to balance it out, because the Browns looked like a damn disaster in the first one. And I don't know if they wanted to keep... Like, if you're if you're the producer and you're like, okay, I'm how am I going to keep this storyline going? Should I continue to make the Browns look like the disaster that they are, or should I just... Do a little reality TV magic and you know focus more on the football and get away from you know all the mess that happens with Dorsey up top down to Hugh Jackson and, and so on and so forth. But uh, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this week. Um, you know, not this week is going to be the Josh Gordon return. That's going to end up coming next week, I believe. But sure I think there was uh, this one. There was there might have been a fight with Juice in in practice or something. I don't know. I'm so. sure they'll tease the Gordon thing because it happened over the weekend. Yeah, it's it's tough. Think about the producers, right? If you if you're trying to build somewhat of a negative narr- narrative for the Browns, and then they go out and not only do they win, I mean it's preseason, who cares? But they win the preseason game. But all of the guys that you would show negatively actually did well. Injoku, who was dropping passes and had to go on the jugs machine, catches two touchdowns. Antonio Callaway, who gets pulled over at three in the morning as a rookie with a very checkered past he scores a long touchdown on a slant the rookie quarterback comes out shows out tyrod taylor steps in plays great so there wasn't there were no big injuries so it'd be really hard to show them in the negative light because of the game so yeah they, they were kind of in a weird space there i wanted more carl nasib with his with his accounting <laughs> lessons i wanted i wanted that to be like a fixture for well, like a full minute every single time well i like how the uh, the one offensive lineman checked him you know, like, he was like, this doesn't, no, like, 
no one just yields 10% every year automatically. Like only giant hedge funds can do that. And it makes sense because offensive linemen, notoriously the smartest guys on the team, from what I understand. The big hogs. Yeah, they're generally the ones that come out of, you know, the NFL, at least their playing careers, in, in the best shape, financially, all that sort of stuff. What about uh, Miles Garrett giving us some uh, some Langston Hughes, some poetry action? Yeah, I mean, that's it's cool to see a different side of a player, you know, that you don't... I mean, we just think that these guys are all total animals, which they large in part are, at least on the football field on Sunday. But, I mean, in order to play in the NFL and play professional football, you have to be a freak, an animal on a totally different level because you're putting your body through something that, you know, is just so inhuman, it's unbelievable. But to being able to see that sort of more personable, softer side of someone and seeing that's how that's his disconnect from the football world, I think that's really cool and it's interesting. The uh, the huge action WTF moment of the week, though, was uh, when Tyrod went up to him and basically told him how to do his job. You know, show the film of people being lackadaisical, jogging around. You know, that's something... <laughs> That's something that the head coach should know to do themselves and not have the quarterback that's been there for, I don't know, three months come up and suggest. I mean, come on, Hugh, what are you doing? I mean, is Hugh, does Hugh have a job if they go like four and 12? Like, do you think Brian I mean, Hoyer? They've gone one and 31, so you think, I don't Do you think Brian back. Hoyer goes up to Bill Belichick and tells him what to do, how to run a meeting? <laughs> you think that's no, happened? no shot. Oh and everyone, God. everyone, I saw some stuff on social media. I want to say a couple articles may, might have written about this as well that I saw uh, briefly, but talking about how they're basically saying that, you know, you can really see how Hugh Jackson is that sort of quarterback coach. I'm like, I don't know what the hell these guys are talking about. Baker Mayfield does whatever the fuck he wants. He's clearly got the, I went one, one overall, and I don't care what anyone says syndrome. And then Tyrod is just, Tyrod's like, you can tell Tyrod is, is a super professional player and he's being nice about everything. But like, even that just like, Hey coach, you might want to do this because this is what you should be doing. But I mean, he said it in a very nice, very professional way, but right. you know, and I messed I don't up. Think I, he was that quarterback's coach. I messed up and I led you to screw up as well. It's Tarod. Whatever. It's Tyrod. As far as I'm concerned, tug, forever. Tug God. Tarod. That was a saga. Name, to God. Name, name pronunciation. Saga. So we're Doesn't recording work anymore, man. We're recording this on a Monday. Hard knocks will come out tomorrow, so we'll be excited for that. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the maestro, Jay Cornegay. There's a little bit here where I turn into a robot. I don't know. My mic's just being wonky with this new laptop. I, I think you were right last week, TP. Even though it's a new laptop, we got to win this contest so I can get another new laptop. So apologies for there. It is right there. That's amazing. As as I was talking about it, the uh, I don't know the uh, what's that uh, NSA? They're listening. They're just trolling me now. Uh, but sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Jay Cornegay. We'll be back later next week to talk running backs in fantasy football. But until then, enjoy the interview. And we are now joined by another legend. We we had some fun last week with a former champion in Damon Graham, and now we are joined by the maestro, the vice president of race and sports operations for the Westgate, Las Vegas Resort, and Casino. DP, if it wasn't for this gentleman, we, we probably wouldn't be chatting right now. This podcast wouldn't even come to fruition. It's Jay Cornegay. Jay, thank you for joining us after hours, sir. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? 
We are doing good. We are pumped. This weekend is Super Contest Weekend. DP will be representing us in Las Vegas. We're very excited about that, and I figured we'd kick it off right there. Uh, like anything, like like any poker tournament, uh, and everybody knows that DP and I have a poker background. Uh, early on, registrations, you know, they start creeping in, but then right when you get towards Shuffle Up and Deal, or nowadays with late registration, that's when you really start to get your spike. And I'm assuming that this weekend... Uh, with all the festivities in Vegas, you'll you'll see somewhat of a spike. Uh, heard rumblings of 1,200 already registered. Uh, what are you anticipating this weekend from both a uh, uh, a traffic standpoint and then just from a festivity standpoint? What do you guys have planned out at the Westgate this weekend? Well, you're right. We certainly see a spike uh, of entries come in um, during this weekend. We expect to have a few hundred signups. Uh, just in, in the three days alone, uh, we just are creeping towards uh, 1,200. We, in fact, we might be over 1,200 at, at this point. Um, if you remember, Super Contest weekend last year was held on the 18th and 19th, I believe. And so, therefore, uh, our pace is on par with last year's number, but that's only because last year has already experience the super contest weekend so we'll, we'll get a spike uh this weekend and, and shoot uh you know well above last year's record pace once we get to sunday um as far as activities uh we once again will be hosting the vsin shows uh all of their shows uh throughout friday and uh saturday that's august 24th and 25th the 25th is our golf outing uh, we had a few more signups today, but we expect to try to be right around about 100 players for that. And so we still have a couple more uh, spots available for those wishing to uh, enter the uh, golf outing. And it's more of a casual four-man scramble. We have a lot of fun out there. It's it's uh, hosted by Las Vegas Country Club, which is which is a private course, uh, more of a Midwestern type of course with a, a, a lot of grass, a lot of big trees. In fact, it was built prior to the uh, the property that I work at. Um, back then, it was called the International. Obviously, it was called the Las Vegas Hilton for for a, a couple of decades plus, and uh, currently the Westgate. But a, a great private course. And then uh, this year, a uh, highlight will be um, will be uh, awarding our Super Contest, our past winners of the Super Contest, their uh, championship rings. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long period of time was to award those champions with uh, some some jewelry uh, that uh, they could uh, proudly display and wear and brag to their friends uh, that they won the Super Contest. And we'll, I, I believe we have uh, 20-something rings i think we have 22 rings that will be uh presented on saturday uh saturday night that is at 7:45 in the uh superbook um some of those are our partners uh, they're not 22 uh individual winners but uh uh we're we're giving their partners uh, rings as well and um you know we're also hosting some local uh ESPN radio shows all day friday so all their uh, sports shows will be on property in the book on Friday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. 
and you can check out all this information, westgateresorts.com. Really cool that Uncle Brent and the gang from Michigan uh, will be there uh, recording live. Uh, the Las Vegas Country Club. Is that where uh, the scene in Casino, where uh, the plane runs out of gas? Is, is that the, uh, the same golf course? <laughs> it's funny that you ask that because uh, they, they have some, some old pictures uh, up in the bar area of when they first built the course and, and, you know, the trees were just sticks and, and now they're full blown, you know, 50 foot trees. Uh, the story behind the, the scene in the movie casino was the, the FBI was uh, using surveillance and they had this little uh, propeller plane flying around the area. Um, and it actually took place at the country club and the the FBI plane did run out of gas. It, it, it basically crashed into the pond on number 10, which has plenty of Westgate Superbook logoed balls in there. <laughs> I can tell you that. And um, but the 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 filming of the movie Casino actually took place at another course called the national which is the old sahara but today is it's known as the national and they filmed that scene along with the the house uh where they live uh is in between number one and number 18 uh and the the scene with the the plane running out of gas was filmed on number one at the national golf course i'm very glad i asked that question that's an excellent history lesson <laughs> it is it is really cool to see some of the, the the pictures of the glory years of uh of well some call the glory years of Las Vegas and and, and uh you know some of the the pictures of the the rat pack and, and some um different type of uh figures that were um running around Las Vegas during that time uh but when I look at those pictures, I, I always think in my head, wow, they really had a good time back in those days. <laughs> they lived. <laughs> they definitely lived, for sure. Uh, let's stay with history, because history is something that I know Donnie's very interested in. We're, we're both intrigued about when it comes to the Super Contest. Now, the, the written record of the Super Contest seems to begin when you uh, step into the the picture at, at the original Hilton, and that's 2004. And even some of the the documents, if you were to just Google Super Contest, and I, there's a PDF that comes up on the first page, and the history of it, it begins in 2004. But th- there's, uh, from what I understand, and I could be completely wrong, is that it began in, in 1988. So before you had come into the picture, and I was just wondering if you could... Give us any picture of what the Super Contest was pre-2004 or any history, because we, we'd love to know, I mean, how we got here, how we got to trending towards 3,500, maybe 4K entries this year. What, what was the genesis of it all? Can you, can you take us back as far as maybe you can? Yeah, I, I actually uh, moved to Las Vegas uh, back in um, 88, and, you know, we... we researched this uh, a few times to try to nail down the inaugural year of the Super Contest. 
even speaking to those that uh, pioneered the the contest itself. Um, and there seems to be some dispute of when the actual inaugural year of the Super Contest really was. And some say it was 1988, as you said. Uh, some say it's 1989. But nevertheless, it was uh, um, started because they wanted to have a high-end type of contest. Uh, and the thinking was that picking five games against the spread um, wasn't uh, just a, a one and one and done type of uh, uh, process, and it wasn't selecting all the games. It was picking five games uh, was viewed as a good measuring stick of what type of handicapper you are. And so the format has stayed true since the inception of the contest, that is picking five games against the contest line each and every week during the 17 weeks of the regular season. Um, I, I don't know the number of entries that it had in the first years, uh, but I, I know that just monitoring it over the years that I lived in Las Vegas, the number of entries really fluctuated around 150 to 250 um, for the longest time period. Um, in 2004, when we took over, uh, it was right around the 300 mark. And uh, 2005, I believe we set a record for just over 500 entries, 505, I believe it was. And we were so so proud of that um, by uh, marketing the contest, trying to get the word out there for more people to uh, be aware of th this opportunity. And um, it slowly uh, grew, but it, it really didn't take off until social media became part of our world. And with social me media, it, there was an avenue for us to advertise to those around the country, informing them that they could enter this contest, even though they were not a Nevada resident, because they could use the proxy uh, service uh, for them to submit their weekly selections and uh, again they they didn't have to live in Nevada to to enter this contest so that's uh, spread like wildfire for their, for those uh, early years of social media and from that point let's say 2010 um, we have had a record number of entries for seven consecutive years this year would be the eighth consecutive record year uh, for for the number of uh, contestants. Um, we really expected to have a, a highlighted feature this year. Unfortunately, we were not able to complete that, and that was for contestants to have that option to submit their weekly selections via the mobile app. Um, with our developer, in, in the approval process that we had to go through, it ran into a couple of snags and, and we just didn't feel right um, putting, it, putting it out there until we knew, knew it was, uh, you know, ironclad, state-of-the-art and secured uh, to a point where we didn't have any concerns about anybody hacking or having issues with it. So we're just gonna have to wait until next year because we, we thought if we, we offered it 
that option this year that it would really enhance and grow the local market because the locals are spoiled out here um, with convenience and, and, and value that they get. Uh, but if we talk to the local market, most of them say, I, I get in, but I just can't make it down there every single week to put my selections in. And they certainly don't want to pay the proxy to do that for them. So we thought that we'd really push the mobile app option. Unfortunately, it, it didn't happen, but we're, we're very certain that it's going to happen next year. Yeah, for us in California, just submitting our picks, it, we don't really think about it. We we give it to the proxy and they go in. And I, I can see how that process of going every week to a, a local uh, could be seen as cumbersome. DP, you had a question. Hop in there. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to talk about, you know, Jay, you brought up 2010, and that's kind of the year when things really started to take off in terms of record-setting numbers year after year. How's it been in this really exponential growth phase period where every single year it just keeps getting bigger and bigger? This year, again, points, you know, a lot of signs are pointing to 3,500, if not 4,000. How's it been being able to handle this massive influx of sports bettors, not only from Nevada and local local regions, but, uh, you know, around the nation that are coming out to participate in the Super Contest? Well, it, it certainly is a challenge. Um, it was a point where we had one person that really was uh, appointed to look over the whole contest. And, and now it's uh, three people that really look over it and, and handle uh, the, the the contest, uh, whether it's just accepting the entries, looking over the rules, you know, getting, you know, the... Um, application already we, you know we doctor the rules a little bit each and every year we we change it up a little bit we tweak it i mean the, the toughest thing for us to do is not you know to just keep course and and, and keep everything uh status quo as it has been since 1988 um it's kind of like when when you're lost sometimes the hardest thing to do is just keep it going straight and and sometimes you know we run into uh we, we look at the review process after each and every year and we take notes during the course of the year of how we can make it better uh and and in most cases you know we don't want to adjust anything because if it's not broke you know you know quit trying to fix it and this year um you know it's uh we we tweaked a, a couple of things in there, but again, nothing really major. It was just uh, something that um, you know we wanted to make sure that um, the proxies had a contingency plan. <laughs> that uh, we want to make sure that uh, we kind of got the word out to contestants when selecting a proxy that you should ask your proxy what type of backup plan they have if. Somehow uh, they are not able to submit, you know, a contestant or contestants' selections, you know. So make it a priority when when people are looking into proxies that, you know, you do your homework and make sure that these proxies have, um, you know, some type of contingency plan. As as well, some, most people know, we we are not affiliated with any proxy service. We don't promote or market it's a third party agreement and uh we just ask those contestants to to uh do their homework but the growth has been i mean tremendous and, and we start working on this 
right after the Super Bowl. Um, people don't realize how much time and, and, and effort there is with this contest. And as you guys know, there was, uh, um, you know, there was an administrative fee that, uh, uh, or rake, as some people would look at it, uh, administered a couple of years ago, mainly just to cover our costs, because when we were looking at the expense versus the, the benefit, um, it really wasn't penciling out. And anybody that uh, is close to this contest, you know, could see that. I mean, it was just, there was a lot of man hours that, that's involved, not only during the off season and trying to prepare for it, but on a weekly basis, you know, handling, you know, the, the number of contestants. And you would be surprised how many inquiries we get each and every week about people losing their card or uh, contesting their their record isn't correct. Uh, um, you know, questioning last week's picks. Um, and it's all computerized. And, and I'll knock on wood right now, but... Uh, not one time have we had an error on the selection process. You know, it, it is what it is. It, it is all computerized. It's, it's human error, if anything, in, when, when submitting their selections. I'm not sure how many times I've gone out there and go, oh, well, you know, I hey, I didn't select the Jets. You know, you guys have me down for the Jets. And I'm like, well, let's look at your selection card. Let's look at your receipt. Oh, he goes. Oh, that's right. I, you know what? I like the Jets, but I thought I switched it to the Dolphins, you know? And I was like, okay. But those type of inquiries happen each and every week. And, and you know, whether it's that time right after the results are, are posted or even right when the selections are due, which is each and every Saturday at 11 a.m., I don't know how many times I've had people, you know, in my face, in my grill, uh, having some type of excuse where they they couldn't make it in time for the for the uh, the deadline and you know it's not a subjective decision on our part. Once we close that down, it's down for that week and it's not going to be reopened. This thing is audited by our people. It's audited by gaming, and we we uh, we can't determine oh this guy's excuse warrants us to let his get let him get his picks in versus this excuse over here doesn't warrant us opening it back up and, and accepting the entry from this contestant. So with 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 all that it, it's it's certainly a bigger challenge for us compared to the back in the day when we were hand, handling four hundred contestants versus three thousand contestants. The the proof of the demand is there because even though the 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 rake was introduced, I mean, we just kept plowing forward and breaking these records. So even uh, even any kind of rake like that couldn't stop the type of demand there was for this contest. Um, you talked a little bit there about growth and change and how you guys are always trying to improve the contest. What well, what does the future look like for? Uh, the super contest. We just had uh, PASPA get uh, removed, and we're seeing some states open sports betting across the nation outside of Nevada. What do you think the future holds for the super contest as perhaps other competition starts to creep in from other states competing for market share uh, with individuals that might be submitting picks from outside Nevada? Well, I, I think that the uh, 
super contest will run parallel with the growth of sports gaming. I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but we are um, developing a new entity, uh, which is the Superbook brand. And it's, it uh, doesn't have, not directly associated with Westgate, but it is the Superbook. And, um, you know, Superbook, uh, uh, I mean, Westgate does own the IP for the, the brand Superbook. So um, it, it's a uh, opportunity that we're looking at to expand our Superbook brand. And we've been working on it for months. We've been discussing it for about a year, but uh, over the last few months, we are have really uh, uh, structured a, a new company uh, called the Superbook, and we will be competing on a national level. Um, and we've been talking to potential partners, uh, seems like every day, uh, for uh, the last uh, month or so. Um, with, with that said, uh, the Super Contest will um, remain part of the Superbook, and it will be offered in other jurisdictions, um, you know, within the state as it is in Nevada. Now, we are looking at uh, opportunities with the Super Contest to take it to a national level, and depends on what attorney you talk to. Uh, that's, that's possible, but, uh, um, you know, where it could run and, and, and it could be mega millions or it could run like Powerball. Um, it, it, it really is, uh, the sky's the limit with the super contest, but you will see the super contest in other sports gaming jurisdictions in the future. And we hope, uh, to see it more of a, on a national level down the line. Yeah, this whole uh, sports betting revolution has been something that's been crazy for, for Donnie and I uh, because, you know, post-Black Friday, the way online poker was treated, to see sports betting kind of have this meteoric rise where, unfortunately, poker's kind of toiled in mediocrity when it comes to legislation, it's been it's been pretty remarkable. Can, can you really believe, uh, Jay, how accelerated some of these conversations have been with sports betting? I mean, it seems like... Uh, just yesterday, this some of these things seemed like an impossibility, and now here we are on the precipice of of really interstate sports gaming. It's crazy. Oh, if you would ask me uh, years ago, I, mean, I would have said absolutely not. That's just not going to happen because we understood the climate at that time. I mean, it was really a plague to many lawmakers and political figures um around this country it still is uh you know it's always been associated with organized crime and and you know it's it's like uh you know you can smoke weed but you can't bet on the pirates you know okay (laughs) i got it all right so um anyway it's uh it was a little frustrating on our part knowing that it, it, it would be uh in a much better um, light if if sports gaming was transparent um, than, you know, taking in the back alleys and, 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 and the back room. Um, we always thought it would be 
um, better uh, for you know a, a, a regulated environment, a regular excuse me, a regular uh, a regulated environment uh, than um, you know than it is and or was in, in many jurisdictions outside Nevada. So um, if you I, I, you know, you would ask me five, six years ago, I said, you know, it's a 50-50 at, at best, but most likely not. But we could see the climate changing as uh, national media outlets were really talking about the gambling side uh, more each and every year. You, know, you started seeing graphics uh, a lot more often rather than once every three weeks or it was buried in the late night uh sports recap shows um he's just you could see the the change and i think what happened was a lot of them started getting educated on what you know what sports gaming is what how it's regulated and how it's going on whether you liked it or not it was happening through illegal means and you know you asked me two years ago if I thought Las Vegas would get an NFL team. I would say absolutely not. That's the last thing that's going to happen. Um, and here we are with a hockey team and, and uh, a Raider team, uh, you know, right down the street. And, uh, you know, people were concerned about that. In fact, I met with the FBI today for about an hour and a half going over uh, some of the things we look for and, and um, some of the bets that we take versus what he's heard. I mean, there's there's still a lot of figures out there, <laughs> excuse me, that think that Las Vegas takes bets on what color hair Lady Gaga is going to have when she comes out and sings during halftime, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, what 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 color Gatorade? And I was telling this, this FBI gentleman about those wagers, that we don't accept those wagers, and he really thought we did. I mean, that's how much people know about our business. And, you know, we're talking about a, a government official that uh, was assigned um, to the, the gaming or sports gaming, uh, um, you know, evolve, involvement of, of the, what type of, you know, what, what sports gaming is all about. And, you know, I'm not, I mean, he was a smart gentleman. He was, he was uh, I mean, obviously very intelligent, but the things people think we do in Nevada, out, you know, especially back East, it, it's amazing. They, they really think we're a bunch of just, you know, wild cowboys just, you know, still smoking cigars and trying to figure out how the game's going to be played out, I guess. Uh, they, they don't, they don't understand the environment that we work in but um no it, it really has changed over the last uh, few years uh dramatically um and uh it it uh it once the paspa was overturned it really um turned our world upside down as we've uh, had a lot of inquiries uh a lot of uh um people contact us whether they want to be partners or be part of the industry uh, the floodgates opened in, in May when uh, it was overturned. 
Now, sticking with the super contest a little bit and uh, switching lanes a little bit, last year you guys uh, instituted the super contest gold, which is basically a high roller contest, $5,000 buy-in. Um, it went pretty well. Um, this year it's back again. Can you talk to us a little bit about you know, introducing that separate tournament in addition to the regular super contest and then what the feedback was coming out of the first year? Well, and I, I know that on the high-end side, a lot of people were talking about, you know, how lucky you have to be to win the Super con Contest because there's so many uh, contestants now, so many people involved in it. And those are just the guys that have been in it for a long period of time when they only had to beat, you know, 300 people to win the, to win the title. Um, so we decided to cater to... Uh, some of the higher end people that, uh, you know, had a more of a, a mentality of put up or shut up, you know, and, and there was the, there was a, a, a feeling that there was a, a competitive level up the, out there that really wanted to determine the best handicapper. And so we said, well, let's make them pay for it. And also it's winner take all. So, um, it it was more or less um, uh, a thought of our our GM uh, Gino Pifrate, who came up with the idea, and we we discussed that with them and and and, and discussed uh, some of our thoughts, and and we came up with you know winner take all super contest gold five thousand dollar entry fee same format, uh, but. Uh, uh, this winner take all was was really um, the the part of the new contest that was really discussed. We didn't know if it was it was the right thing to do, but if we started awarding the top three or the top five or the top ten, whatever, it was just going to become another super contest just for a little bit more. Um, so the unique thing about the super contest goal is it is winner take all. We had 94 entries last year, which the winner took home 470,000, and he won the title by a half game. Uh, that's how close it was. And um, this year, we're on pace to probably more than double what we did the first year. And I know that some people wanted me to expand the the payout, but uh, we didn't. And it seems to not bother those that can afford that type of entry fee um and the appeal of winner take all is, is, is there it's it, it's a it's a real um i'm not going to say demand but it, it it is attractive to those type of players that can put up five thousand dollars uh with the winner take all format um i always thought you know this this tiger Phil matchup thing. I thought it would be best for these guys to put up their own money. Let's say two million dollars each. Make it an eight uh, man um, uh, format, and uh, you know really put something on the line and, and make it real. Well, the super contest goals is real. You have to put up, you know, some you know, big bucks. You know, you'll be rewarded if you have a great season, but uh, it really is a, a measuring stick to see the top handicapper out there. 
yeah, these guys don't have uh, Nike putting them into the Super Contest goal, right? Like Stag Capital, winner last year. Uh, this was a, a person or a group of people that got $5,000 USD, put it down, made their picks, and uh, and became the winners. And I, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, DP, because the, the winner-take-all thing was, uh, I don't want to say confusing, but it was definitely something different. And, and I like that it that was purposeful, right? Because to your point, if the 5K contest became popular, and then let's say it started outpacing the normal Super Contest, well, then it's just the Super Contest Plus, as opposed to being its own thing. So I, I definitely appreciate uh, that that distinction and that it was done purposefully. Um, before we get you out of here, I, I want to ask you, uh, one, I, I want to ask you about your favorite team, uh, the Denver Broncos. But before that, uh, I know DP reached out to you uh, about some of the action you're currently getting on some futures. Uh, what some of the more popular future uh, wagers are. Uh, so who do people like? Who are people going to the Westgate and putting their hard-earned money on to uh, to hoist the Lombardi Trophy come February? Well, yeah, we can skip the Bronco talk if you want. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, no, Donnie asked me, it's like, uh, can you look up, you know, what the, the leaders are as far as, uh, you know, ticket count and, and money uh, wagered on the NFL future book. And at for the top, let's say, ticket count uh, leaders, you're looking at Rams are number one. Again, this is tickets, not money. Uh, Rams are number one, which I haven't seen a, them up there in a long, long time. Uh, Vikings are number two, 49ers, Packers, and then the Saints. 49ers, now, Jimmy wise, G. As far as the, the leaders uh, on the money side of things, Packers, number one, Rams, two, third place, Vikings, and Patriots, and then the Eagles. Our, um, our current book, I'll, I'll give you some of the top uh, um, odds uh, of those uh, that are, are considered contenders. So there's, uh, there's so many of those that are between 10 and, and, and 20 to one, but here are a couple, uh, Patriots are still a favorite at six to one, mainly because they're in the AFC. That would be different if they were in the NFC. Um, Steelers are 10 to one Eagles, 12 Vikings are 10 to one Packers, 12 Saints 14 Falcons, 16 and Rams got a lot of Rams money. As we, we just mentioned, they're at 10 to one Jaguars, had a lot of sharp play, but they're not getting uh, the volume as these these others. Uh, but the Jaguars are certainly getting respect from the Sharps at 16 to one, and same with the Chargers. Chargers are also getting some of that sharp play, uh, not the public play, but the sharp play on the Chargers, and they're down 16 to one after opening them at 30 to one. Yeah, they suffered that big injury in the secondary to uh, to Jason Verrett to to start training camp, mm. a lockdown corner that I'm sure you know a lot about being in the division. Uh, man, the Rams. How much? How much of the Rams is last year's production and the proximity that obviously Las Vegas has to Los Angeles and some of the love for the West Coast? How much do you think is mixed in there? 
Um, I, I think it's a small factor with the Rams. I think obviously a bigger factor with the Raiders. Um, but the Rams have really never been a huge public team. I think it's all the signings and, and which has been covered by the press over and over again. Um, you know, with their uh, showing last year, you know, I think their defense is a little underrated. We open them at 10 to 1. I'm sorry, excuse me, 20 to 1. They're currently 10 to 1. Um, but uh, proximity is a small factor. Uh, I think the hype that uh, they have received through uh, many media outlets is the main reason why they're getting so much support. Yeah, when you bring in uh, Ndamukong Sue, uh, Keep to Leave, and Marcus Peters, you're going to get a, a little bit of buzz uh, coming after you. Uh, real quick, let's talk Broncos. Why can't the Broncos uh, cash a 50 to 1 ticket and win the Super Bowl? Jay, why can't this team win the Super Bowl? Can you tell me as a fan? Um, uh, the main reason because they're soft. I mean, um, <laughs> they're just I, I Joseph. I mean, I'm sure he's a fine guy, but I'm going to tell you that his accountability game, along with his coaching staff, you know, McKenzie, McKenzie's a punt returner. I don't know how many times he fumbled last year, and they just kept on sticking him out there. I mean, if you saw that on, you know, the Vikings or Eagles or uh, Patriots, especially the Patriots, right? Um, if you fumbled, you might not play for two games. <laughs> and, and, you know, especially it was a rookie, and they just kept on sticking them out there. And that's just one example uh, how they lack accountability in the Denver uh, camp. You know, it, it's just um, they're getting pushed around. They're not physical. And, uh, I mean, there's other reasons. I mean, their, their offense will be a little better back there because it's a huge upgrade in quarterbacking with, with you know, Case back there. But their defense is starting to show some miles, and they're worn out because they've been on the field a lot over the last couple of years. Um, and it's just not the same intensity that you see on the defensive side. Um, I think that the Broncos over-under, I don't is seven over $1.40. I think that's a pretty good number. I think the Broncos will probably end up winning seven games uh, this year. They got a long way to go, and and the problem with the Broncos, uh, I mean, not just, I mean, another problem with the Broncos is they they're not realizing they're in a rebuilding mode. You know, they're still trying to pick up players uh, for the win now mode, and that's just not going to happen. Um, you know, they really should trade some of these guys build us some draft picks and in three years you'll be a, a contender again but they're holding on to this the pieces of that championship team a little too long and uh now now you just have uh you know an aging team and uh the, you know the drafts haven't been very good so uh you know elway's got his work cut out for him but i think the sooner they can realize that they're in a rebuilding mode then the win now mode, the better. That's a tough pill to swallow, especially for someone like John Elway. You know, I don't think John Elway doesn't seem the type to roll out of bed and say, uh, "Let's rebuild." He seems like the type to uh, to just stick his heels in and and try to win now. <laughs> you know, it's 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 exactly it's a tough no, thing to do. That's exactly what it is. He's he's uh, you know he's never really probably had to do that before, and you know how competitive he is. He's really a competitive guy. It's tough to for him to say, "Okay, we're in a." rebuilding mode but you know you can call it whatever you want you know you can you know 
retooling, whatever it is. <laughs> That's it's, right. It's, uh, you got to get creative with the naming. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's a, it, it's reality. You know, they're, they're not a championship team. They're a long way from it. I think they have some great players there that on, on the tail end of their careers that could really help uh, other contenders that they could really um, uh, get some uh, multiple draft picks, you know, even in the later rounds. I don't mind late round draft picks. It's a young man's game. You know, let's, you know, you know let's, let's stock up on the draft picks and that way your margin of error widens and uh, you have more draft picks to find, you know, players that can contribute. Well, here's to Bradley Chubb bookending that defensive front with Von Miller successfully this season and uh, and a good campaign for the Denver Broncos. Uh, you can follow Jay on Twitter at Jay Cornegay. Uh, again, the uh, Super Contest weekend is this weekend in Las Vegas. Uh, you can look up more details if you go to WestgateResorts.com. Look for the Las Vegas Super Contest. Jay, thank you so much for joining us this, this evening, and uh, we can't wait for the season to kick off. Hey, guys, thanks for having me, Rich, Johnny. Uh, have a have a great uh, football season. I'll probably talk to you during the course of the year. Yep, hope we, uh, hope we get a big check uh, come January. <laughs> well, that would be great. I'll, I'll be the one giving it to you. 